Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So we start a, a new sermon series uh, this morning on the, the five marks of mission. Now the five marks of mission is something that was uh, adopted by the, the, the Anglican Church about 20 years ago and more recently uh, adopted by the Church of Scotland as a tool for the, the whole denomination to have a, a definition of what a holistic, so a, a whole um, approach to mission would look like. And this is one of the tools, the five marks of mission, uh, alongside assets and suitability of buildings and um, populations and a whole bunch of different things. Um, these are being used by presbyteries all over the, the country um, while working on new presbytery mission plans. And these plans will decide uh, where ministries will be allowed, where ministries will be happening, where ministers will be going, for, um, what that looks like at the end of a, a five-year plan. And just to give you context, our, our zone of Glasgow Presbytery, we are zone five um, here in the, the southeast of the presbytery. Um, our zone currently has provision for around about 18 full-time ministry posts. And at the end of the five-year plan, that will be reduced to 10.5. So in our part of the presbytery, um, we'll effectively lose seven and a half full-time ministry posts. And that five-year plan comes into fruition uh, on the 1st of January 2023. So I'll let you do the, the math in terms of when that five-year plan ends. Now, the thing is, we're all too aware of the, the number of, the huge number of vacant churches uh, up and down our country, and the, the lack of those coming into ministry uh, to fill those uh, vacant churches. It's not something that's just happened overnight. This is something that's been happening for decades, and it means that dramatic Changes are going to be coming to churches all over the country. There are no church, there is no church, there are no churches that are immune uh, from these changes, and that includes us. We're not immune from it either. But I want you to hear this when I say it. I'm not saying today that Stone Law is one of the churches that will be closed, and I'm certainly not saying that I'm going anywhere. Um, I certainly have no plans on leaving, uh, seeing as I've just arrived. I certainly have no plans on being told where I'm going. However, we do need to be aware that these changes will affect us, will affect every 
church in the country, and it will be in some way, shape, or form quite dramatic. And for some, that will be that there will be churches that will close. There will be others that will be put into union with, with other churches. And it's important that we know these things and that we engage with the, the process in as best a way that we can. So I'm not looking to scaremonger this morning. I don't want you to be going away worried that, that somehow you're going to turn up on a Sunday and the, the doors are shut and we're not able to come and worship Jesus here. That's not going to happen. I certainly didn't expect to uh, have to deal with this quite early on uh, since coming through to, to Glasgow. And believe me, this process is just as stressful and unnerving for me as it is for anybody else, especially so quickly after responding to an unrestricted uh, call to be the Minister of Stonelaw. But it is what it is, and we need to engage with the process. And I believe that we need to make sure that God will be glorified no matter what we do of the changes that need to come. And my prayer is that we don't get bogged down in what one of my colleagues said was moving the deck chairs on the Titanic. That we don't get bogged down with all that stuff. That we continue to have our focus on our Lord and Savior. And whatever changes come, will come. But we refuse to do anything other than worship Jesus. So now that we have a little bit of context as to why we are doing these five marks of mission, I'm going to start with a, a quick overview of the five. And the first thing you'll notice as we go through these five, which will be up on the screen, is that Jesus isn't mentioned in any of them. Now that's one of the criticisms of it. However, the way I look at it, the way I look at the five marks is that we look through the lens of Jesus, that we see these five marks of mission as being commands from our loving Father in heaven, shown to us in the person of Jesus. So, the first mark of mission is to do with proclaiming the good news about, about King Jesus and his kingdom. So it says to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. So we're called to go and tell people about Jesus and this amazing good news that comes from the kingdom that he brought to earth. Some people will respond really well to us telling them about Jesus. Others, however, will see it as irrelevant to their life. They might think it's all a lot of nonsense. But for those who respond to it in a positive way, how amazing is it that we've brought them into that place where they're able to have that relationship with their Heavenly Father through a relationship with Jesus? And when they've responded in that positive way, it moves us into Mark number two, where it says we have to teach baptize and nurture new believers. So when people do respond to that good news, we're then called to teach, baptize, and nurture them. That's the ongoing process of discipleship. 
In so many parts of the world, people are becoming, becoming Christians. They respond to that amazing good news of Jesus. But what's needed is that ongoing discipleship, that it's not just hearing it and that's it. We need to continue to teach, nurture, and, and allow them to flourish in their discipleship. There are many people in the world who unfortunately don't even have access to a Bible. And it's amazing that there are so many wonderful charities that look to get Bibles to these parts of the world. We don't have that. We don't have that here in Scotland. We don't have that excuse. We can even have the Bible on our phone. We can download it for free. That's how easy access we have to the Scriptures. But the thing is, Jesus didn't just tell us to, to love God with just our heads or our hearts and our souls. He also calls us to, to make sure we're helping those that are in need. And that moves us into the third mark, which is to, to respond to human need by loving service. You know, the thing is, we, we might think of that command to love our neighbor, but who is our neighbor? Well, our Lord Jesus said that it was the person who's in need. Make sure that we are looking out for them. And whether that is in our world, it might be adoption, fostering, caring for those who have dementia, caring for those who have other uh, ill health, mental health struggles. The list could go on. There are so many needs in our world. But we are to tend and to care for those needs. However, there is also more to do, which moves us into Mark 4. And this is a big long one. <laughs> to seek to transform unjust structures of society challenge violence of every kind, and to pursue peace and reconciliation. Our God is a God of justice, who wants to treat everybody impartially. And so we too should be seeking to transform unjust structures that we see in our society that get in the way of that. You know, governments and structures that seek to suppress and oppress the freedom that Jesus bought for humankind on the cross. That, that life that Jesus says, I came to, to give you life in all its fullness. We need to, to make sure that we are challenging unjust structures that get in the way of that. People experiencing that full life that Jesus came to give them. So Jesus tells us to love God, to love our neighbor. But the thing is, the very first command in all of Scripture isn't uttered from the, the lips of Jesus. The fifth and final mark says that we are to strive to safeguard the integrity of creation and sustain and renew the life of the earth. 
we were to go all the way back to Genesis, we read that Adam is tasked with looking after the Garden of Eden to care for the creation. And we too are called to be good stewards of God's creation. Because the Bible doesn't just begin with Jesus' birth and end with his resurrection. It actually begins with creation and ends with a renewal of that creation. This new Jerusalem, a broken creation being fully restored by God. So this is a brief overview of the five marks of mission. But the other thing with these five marks, if we are to approach it and to have that definition of it being a holistic approach to mission, a fullness, we can't allow ourselves to only pick and choose which ones we engage with. So, for example, if we were to only focus on the first two marks, then people could accuse us of only ever being bothered about people's souls. But Jesus came for the whole person, not just their soul. He came for their body and their mind too. God made us these physical beings with needs. But on the other hand, if we only ever attend to the, the social justice side and forget the first two marks, then we fail to explain to people the why. Why we are serving them. Why we are looking to get rid of the unjust structures. Jesus is the why. We're not presenting them with that, that life-transforming relationship with our Lord Jesus. And so all of the five marks of mission need to be carried out, always. And I'd love to see us as a church get better and better and better at all five. All five. And that's why we're going to be focusing on the next few weeks, looking through these five marks of mission to help us to develop our mission plan. The presbytery will design theirs, but we can have our own mission plan. The thing is, while there are five of them, I see a, a correlation between the first two, and we're going to look at that this week. Three and four go together, and then five is a kind of standalone. So we're going to spend three weeks looking at these. So this week we'll look at building the church, is what I see Marks 1 and 2 doing. I see Marks 3 and 4, an opportunity for us to serve society. And then, as I say, the third one stands alone, and it's about our care for creation. Okay, so now that we have had a quick recap of all of those, let's get into the Scriptures, because that's why we're here. You know, I absolutely love... 
You can get rid of the, the screen. You want to switch back over to yourself. You know, I absolutely love the passage that um, Leslie read out for us uh, this morning. There's so much contained in just these four verses. It's absolutely amazing. We open up with the, the 11 disciples who have went to Galilee, to the mountain that Jesus had directed them to. And I love that, that we see the faithfulness of the disciples, that everything they've gone through, everything that they have seen, everything that they had witnessed, they're continuing to respond to Jesus' direction. That even at this point, Jesus is still their Lord and they're willing to follow His direction. And we move on and we see that while the disciples are incredibly special, they're also human beings. Because we read, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Some doubted. Despite everything that they'd seen, everything that they'd experienced, the things that they had been witnesses to, including the, the, the glorious resurrection that we celebrated last Sunday at Easter, they still doubt. They're still filled with doubt. And the thing is, as we look to be better followers of, of Jesus, to be His disciples in this day and age, if we're honest, we too have doubts. None of us are immune from those doubts. And for some people, it might be uh, that their doubt is just a, a brief thing, that it's just a fleeting thing, that it's there and then it, it maybe passes quite quickly and the faith that they have is restored. And then you can move on until the next time that, that you have that doubt. However, it might be that we have doubts for, for days months, maybe even years, where we can't really see God working in a situation at all. We might start to ask ourselves that question of, where was God in that? I can't see it. But we can't see God at work in our life or the life of someone else or a circumstance might be that we have just, we've been praying just as hard as we've ever done. But nothing seems to be happening. Now I'm a firm believer, and I say this all the time, I'm a firm believer that there is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Now we might not get the, the answer that we want, the answer that we hope for. It might not look anything like we had thought. But I truly believe that God is always at work in our situations. And that passage from Romans that says that God is at work always for the good of those 
who love him. But the thing is, each and every one of us will go through, as we go through our lives, we'll have doubts. We're not immune from that. Even though we walk with Jesus, we will still have doubts, just like the disciples do. But here's the thing. Your doubts, while not great to go through by any stretch, it's not a good place to be. And the ideal is to, to hold fast to your faith. But there are times where that's really hard. But the thing is, your doubts do not disqualify you from your salvation. Your doubts do not disqualify you from your salvation. Because salvation isn't actually based on anything that you or I do or don't do. Our salvation is based solely on the work of Jesus. We are not in any way, shape, or form responsible for obtaining our salvation, securing it. Jesus did that. There are some theologies that would argue that that's not the case and that we have this power or sway that God becomes our puppet. We can get God to do our bidding for us. Nonsense. That's not how it works at all. The fact is our salvation was bought by Jesus as he went to the cross and secured and ushered in with that glorious resurrection that we celebrated last week on Easter Sunday. So remember, your doubts do not disqualify you from your salvation. And someone might need to hear that this morning whether here or at home or watching this later on. So I'm going to say it again. Your doubts do not, do not disqualify you from your salvation. So we continue on. We read that Jesus came to them and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Wow. Amen. Here is Jesus laying out this command that we know as the Great Commission. Now, I can't remember if I've said this while I've been here, but I love to refer to this as the Great Co-Mission. Co-Mission. We get to work with Jesus in this mission to the world. All authority has been given to Jesus, and he brings us in to work in this mission. We get to work for the kingdom and to reach people for that kingdom. And it's here that we find that match with Marks 1 and 2 
of the five marks of mission. Because the first one is about evangelism. It's about sharing the, the good news and telling people about Jesus. And I'm going to issue you with a little challenge this morning. You look like you're getting too comfy, so I'm going to issue you with a challenge. I want you to take yourself back to when you were at school. I know. I know. And we're going to do one of the things that I absolutely dreaded the most when I was at school. When you would turn up to the class and the teacher would hand you a piece of paper. And it would tell you to sit down and write your name in the top right-hand corner of this piece of paper. At that point, you knew that you were getting an impromptu, off-the-cuff test on what you had been learning. That's what we're going to do this morning. I'm not going to give you a piece of paper. I'm not going to ask you to write your name in the top right-hand corner either. I'm not even going to ask you to say anything out loud. But I want you to think what you would write on that piece of paper. I want you to answer one question. And you have to be able to answer it very quickly. And the question is, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Because here in Mark 1, of the five marks of mission, we are challenged to share the good news of the kingdom. What that means is the good news of Jesus and his kingdom. The good news, gospel. That's what it means, the good news. So the question is, what is the gospel? We don't always get a lot of time to be able to respond to questions that we get. We usually have to answer it very quickly. It might be that someone comes and asks you that question. What would your answer be? You know, they've come to you and they say, you know, I, I know that you go to church. I know that you're a Christian. I've heard this thing, this, this thing called a gospel. What is it? And if we're following the this holistic approach to mission, we need to be able to tell them. We need to understand what it is for ourselves so we're able to share that with other people. So what is the gospel? The good news? It's good news of the kingdom. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to move on to the very opening of Paul's letter to the Romans. In his, his salutation, his, his opening up to this letter, Paul writes, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name 
including yourselves, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. He then moves on in verses 16 and 17. Paul uses these amazing words. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. And we're moving again. Let's keep going. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 at verse 3. And he says, For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then all of the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Amen. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the full power of God and salvation to anyone who has faith in Jesus as Lord. That Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And that He was buried. And that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the same scriptures. And then he appeared. Jesus is alive and with us right now. Everyone who has put their faith in him receives salvation, a transformed life, forgiveness, a life that is eternal, but a life that can be transformed right now. And that moves us into Mark number two. If I was writing the, the marks of mission, you know, if I had been quick off the mark, obviously 20 years ago, I don't think they were written even longer ago than that. But if it had been me that was writing it, I would have dropped the new when it says to teach, baptize, and nurture new believers. I would take the word new out and have it as to teach, baptize, and nurture believers. I would take new out because I believe that this mark deals with discipleship, an ongoing discipleship. Not one of us has it all figured out. Full disclosure, I don't. That might worry you. But not one of us has it all fully figured out. But it all begins with our baptism. 
That's why Jesus talks about baptism in the Great Commission. We're welcomed into the, the family of God. This very visual representation of being anointed with the Holy Spirit as we use water. So we can see this very visual thing of being anointed by God and welcomed into the family of God. Paul in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, he says, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, as Paul is talking, he's reminding us of this death to the old life. And in our baptism, we are brought into this new life in Christ. And the Bible is full of calls for discipleship. Indeed, Paul's letters are a perfect example of an ongoing discipleship relationship. This ongoing thing about how to nurture faith. Paul set up these churches by preaching and teaching the good news, the gospel. It was Mark 1 of the five Marks. He shared the good news of Jesus with these people in Galatia. Thessalonica, Corinth, so many other places. But he didn't just leave it. He didn't just leave them to it. He continued to nurture them through his letters. Continued to nurture them as they were his children. He recognized that within himself he needed to have that ongoing discipleship, this ongoing learning of what it means to be in that relationship with God through Jesus. We can see his theology and the fact that Romans is this huge letter over the years and years that Paul has been wrestling with this, seeing it play out. He comes to his, his final letter, a, a fully complete understanding of his theology at that point. He recognized that it wasn't just enough to tell people about Jesus. You needed to walk with them. You needed to encourage them. There needed to be that nurturing thing happening that people would be learning more about this faith that they're stepping into. And that goes for each and every one of us. We all need to continue to be... Um, a phrase that I'd only heard, you know, a few years ago, but it seems to be a kind of buzz thing now of being lifelong learners. Being a lifelong learner, that doesn't stop when you leave school or leave university. That we are all lifelong learners. And we need to step into that pattern of ongoing discipleship. And for some, that will come in the form of listening to preaching and, and teaching. But we need to make sure that there are other opportunities for people around our church to be able to step in and learn more about this faith. 
that will come in the shape of Bible studies, small groups, one-to-one relationships where we meet together and and share with one another and wrestle with the Scriptures. The list can go on. could be courses, a whole bunch of different ways and being able to develop and nurture our faith. But the thing that jumps out at me as I look at the all five marks of mission, and as I said earlier, we need to make sure that we're covering all five. It's not a case of picking the ones that we like. There will be certainly ones that we naturally gravitate to, and there'll be others that we find a struggle. But we need to approach all five And for that to to happen, the thing for me that jumps out is that we need to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. Because if we are fully devoted to following Jesus as our Lord, then these five marks of mission are almost an overflow. They come naturally to us as we get closer to following the one who has ordained us to partner with him in this co-mission to the world. And what a church community we would have. What a church community we would have where everyone is devoted to following Jesus as Lord and Savior and devoted to nurturing themselves and one another finding it easy to go and share the good news of Jesus with others, able to follow through on the commands that Jesus makes of us. So what is the gospel? It could be summed up with those words from John 3.16, but it seems like it's so much more than that. There's so much more to it. And I hope this morning that you find yourself in a place where you're ready to go and share the good news of Jesus with others. That you're ready to develop that that strength within yourself to be able to share that good news. That you're ready to step into that ongoing discipleship, a a commitment, a devotion to learning more about Jesus, the relationship you have with Him, what that means, what His commands are, how we can repay the love that He has shown us by loving others. So let's start this morning by making that commitment to being fully devoted followers of our Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you call us into co-mission with yourself, that you call us to that work with you to go and share the good news, the gospel, with everyone that we meet. 
We pray that you would give us the the strength and the encouragement to be able to do that because we find it hard, Lord. And Lord, help us to be that community that are devoted to following you. That we would remember our baptism and what it means. That we are brought into this this new life. That the old life slips away and we are brought into this new life. A child of God. Fully anointed by the Spirit and part of the amazing family of God. And help us to nurture one another. Help us to to teach. Help us to bring new believers along, but help us to never fail to see that we too need to be lifelong learners. We pray that each and every day we would have a greater understanding of your love for us and what the relationship with you means. So Lord, as we continue to go through these five marks of mission that we see as flowing from your command, help us to be willing and able to fulfill that mission to the parish that you have given us and to whatever that will look like. And indeed, Lord, we hand over, we hand over the presbytery planning to you. We pray that you would be all in and around all of the discussions and that your name would be glorified throughout Glasgow Presbytery. And indeed, our entire nation. Lord Jesus, we thank you again for all that you have done for us and all that you will continue to do for us. And it's in your precious and mighty name that we pray. Amen.